series called You Versus You, and what we've been talking about is this idea that you are going to meet you in five years. Did you think about that? You're going to meet yourself in five years, and you might be uh, lazier, <laughs> you might be smarter, you might have learned a language. Think about that. You might be able to speak another language in five years. You might have learned an instrument. Thank you, by the way, worship team. It sounded awesome this morning. You probably won't play quite like that, but you'll be good. Trust me. Uh, um, you might be more bigoted when you meet yourself in five years, more closed-minded. You might be more o o open-minded. But the fact of the matter is this, is that you will meet yourself in five years, and the person responsible for the person that's looking in the mirror will most likely be you, the majority of it, will most likely be you. So we're going to talk this morning about our identity, who we are, and our insecurities. Because I think uh, in today, one of the things that we struggle with, or at least I do, is what's my identity and how do I manage my insecurities? So I have, I have a ton of insecurities. I have a, a huge fear of failure, okay? I've had it ever since I was little. That's why I never fail. No, I'm just joking. I just, a big joke there. Ha ha, okay. I just failed on that joke. So there we go. I'm off the, no. Uh, so, you, we, but we all have these insecurities and we all have identities. Your identity might be wrapped up in your career, it might be wrapped up in how you look. It might be wrapped up in your past. You can never get back to when you were middle linebacker in, in high school and when you won the state championship and you've just been, your whole life, just been trying to go back to that and you can't because that's your identity. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about a guy uh, who struggled with his identity and uh, his name is Moses and he's super famous in, in the Bible, and you've probably heard stories about Moses and how he led the people out of Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea. And, and so uh, we're not going to talk about all of that stuff. If you want to know about, there's an awesome commentary uh, uh, about Moses that you can actually get online. And uh, it's, um, it, 
it, it's, it's in movie form, and it's just, it's just an incredible scholarly work. And uh, so you can just watch that, and you'll know everything you need to know about Moses. No, but this is kind of what we think of when we think of Moses. But what I want to do this morning is tie together some things at a very famous um, uh, story about when God met Moses. So to just give you some background, um, the Israelites had been taken to Egypt, and it was God's way of punishing them for following other gods. And this is a pattern that you see all throughout the Old Testament. Israel does great, they prosper. They worship idols, they don't prosper. And that's just kind of that, that cycle all the way along. And so what was happening was they were in Egypt, and they were um, multiplying too fast. I don't want to get into all the details, but when two people really love each other, uh, no. And so they're, they're, they're multiplying too fast. So Pharaoh's getting nervous that there's these Hebrew people that are multiplying faster than the Egyptians were. And so he sends out an edict that for every male that's born, every female could be born, no problem. But when a male was born, it had to be put to death. So Moses' mom takes this basket and she puts some pitch around it, some tar to make it waterproof. And she lays Moses in this basket and she puts it in, in the river and, and it just starts floating down. It's really cool when you read the story. Uh, Moses' sister was running along the river watching where the basket went. You can just see the sister caring for her, her brother. Well, the basket ends up in Pharaoh's daughter's hands. Uh, and so she raises Moses. And so there's two narratives that we see from the Bible. One about Moses is actually in the New Testament, and it was, it was a narrative that Stephen was uh, talking about when he uh, was before the Pharisees, just before they threw a bunch of rocks at him. Uh, and he's, he's talking about Moses, and he says this, at, at that time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family when he was placed outside. They tried to hide him for over three months. Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful, I want you to remember this because we're going to get back to it, in speech and in action. That was Moses. He was powerful in speech and in action. He was in a position of power. Think about this. He grew up, didn't have to worry about where his next meal was going to come from. He would have, most likely, servants that would sleep, that would lie in his bed before he went to bed to warm it up, okay? Talk about privilege, right? He didn't have to worry about his education, where he was going to go to school. He didn't have to worry about protection. He had the whole army protecting Pharaoh. He didn't have to worry about anything. He was in a position of power. And it was good, and he was powerful in speech and in action. And when, when, what happened one day, he decided to go down and see how the Israelites were doing because he knew he was a Hebrew. And he saw this Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, and so they get into this altercation, and he kills the guy. Moses kills another man, this Egyptian. And I don't know how he tried to hide it. I don't know if he tried to bury him or whatever. I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of creepy. Uh, but he, he, he kills this guy and, and, and gets away with it, so he thinks. And the next day, he goes back down there, and there's two Hebrews fighting. He says, brothers, don't, don't fight. And they said, are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian? And he knew he was found out. 
And so he has to leave the palace. He has to leave his position of power. He has to leave his identity as someone who's in the royal family. So it says, After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert of Mount uh, Sinai. You probably know this story, the, the burning bush. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. Like, why does the Bible have to tell us that? Like, of course he'd be amazed at the sight. It's a bush that's not, not burning. So this is kind of where um, um, Stephen leaves off. And then I, I want to shift us to Exodus, to the actual text of when it was first penned. That God had looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. So he sent them to Egypt to punish them. And now it was like, okay, um, you know, they had done their time, right? And so he's, 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 he's nervous about them. But look at Moses' identity. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Moses had gone from a position of power, basically from the palace to the pasture. He went from this position of power to being powerless. It's not even his sheep. He doesn't even own the sheep. He's just a shepherd. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're retired. Maybe you were in an awesome company and you were looked up to and people would ask you questions and, you know, what do you think we should do about this? And you're in strategy meetings and all that and now nobody calls, nobody's asking. And you went from a position of power to a position of powerless. Maybe your thing was you were an athlete. And you were always an athlete, and you always were in shape, and, it, and it, everything came naturally to you, but now you just find for some reason, and maybe you're not even that old, you, you, you just find you're getting tweaks and pains and all that. You know, the last time I put my back out is when I sneezed in the shower. That's just flat out sad, Right? Right? Like, I used to be an athlete. I used to do stuff, and now I can't sneeze anymore, apparently. Right? Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe you used to have money. Maybe stuff came easy for you. Maybe you were, you were skilled in a craft, and that craft has become obsolete. This is where he finds himself. So Moses sees this fire, and he, he's freaking out. <laughs> this is so sweet. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, right? So he like waits, which is, I just think is hilarious. He waits till he gets like right up to the bush. Like, well, what's going on? The Lord calls from within the bush, Moses, Moses, which would have freaked me out, right? Like you, I don't know if like, the, the, our English Bible has exclamation points in it. Are they marks or points? Anyway, the exclamations. So, I don't know how God pulled this off. He was like, Moses! <laughs> like, you know, like scare him. Or if he was just like, Moses, Moses. You know, I, I don't know. But I, I tend to read too much into the Bible anyway. But he called him by his name. He's not Moses the shepherd, Moses the murderer, Moses the ex-palace guy. Moses answers with this. Here I am. Here I am. And that's how we come to God. Every morning, if you meet with him every morning, when, if it's, you come to church on Sunday, we, we come to God 
with this sense of, here I am. It's me. I, I, got, I got nothing. Now watch what happens. Uh, God says this. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Because God's there. Now, think about this for a little bit. If it's holy ground, and it's me, John, I don't want to touch that. I want my shoes on. <laughs> I want four pairs of shoes on. Like, I think if I touch actual holy ground with my bare feet, I'm, I'm like right in front of Jesus the next second, going like, hey, well, yeah, I took my shoes off, I touched holy ground, so here I am, right? But why does he ask him to take off his sandals? Here's what I believe. I believe God wanted an encounter with Moses where he says, I want the feet that I created to be touching the holy ground that I created. I don't want anything in the way of me talking to you. I, 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 I want Moses there. I don't want his man-made sandals. His sandals were his identity, right? We see it all along. Shoe, the shoes we wear, we pick out shoes because we want it to look a certain way or to feel a certain way. I put these shoes here. Those are bad. Nike Air Vapor Max 360s. $225. Pastor appreciation. Uh, <laughs> we have, I have a friend who's like really into shoes and like he gets these kinds of shoes and they have like polka dots on them and one's a different color than the other and it's like so you had to buy two pairs like really so you can mix and match them but those are the, here here's another shoe this is these are cool these are Birkenstock Arizona's um, what's cool is like you can be liberal because it's Birkenstock right so now you're all hippie and all ready to go but you can be conservative and wealthy you see what I'm saying so you like get to do both both um, these are uh, these expensive. These are red bottoms, uh, 850 bucks. But you sh you show up somewhere with this, you're making a statement, right? Did somebody just do Cardi B? Okay, good. Oh yeah, pastor appreciation. Yeah. A actually. I'd, I'd, that'd be appreciation there. These are Testani pink lizard leather. Yeah. Fifteen hundred bucks. How many lizards had to die? But most of us aren't this, right? Most of us, when we show up, this is us. This is how we feel. This is how we feel. We're, we're, we're not this, we're this. Here's what God is saying to us. I don't care about your shoes. I don't care about your identity. I don't care how you see yourself or how others see you. Take them off. You're not a shepherd to me. You're Moses, Moses. You're not the guy who killed somebody. And it's, it's funny when you look at the way... Uh, 
he goes on, he says, I'm, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And this is what Moses does, which is exactly what I would do. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God because he knew who he was. And if it were me, this is the, I promise you, this is the first thing that would come to my mind. This is about the Egyptian I killed. <laughs> like he, he's finally come to like bring justice. And when God says to you, hey, I want you to take off your shoes. I want to strip you of your identity. You're not a dad first. You're not an uncle first. You're not a boss first. You're, you're not a worker person. You're not a teacher. You're not a doctor. You're not a forklift driver. Moses, Moses, take that stuff off. I want to have a conversation with you. You are on holy ground. I want the feet I created to touch the ground I created. And this is holy ground. And Moses does what we all would do, I would be scared to death to look at God. Because here I am, and he knows everything. He says to Moses, Now the cry of the Israelites have, has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And he makes this incredible statement. Moses with his shoes off, and here I am, and I've He's basically killed somebody, and he's left and ran away, and now he's just a shepherd. He's a nobody. He doesn't even have his own sheep. He's got his father-in-law's sheep. Has to live with his father-in-law. Whew. Man. If you're watching, Dad, I, that wasn't a thing at you, okay? I was just saying, I don't want to live with my in-laws. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses is sitting there without his sandals going, are you out of your mind? Do you have the right Moses? Because there's a Moses, he's just like three blocks down because it's a common name. And why don't you just, I think that's the Moses. But I'm sending you. Let me, let, let me just share something with you just personally. Do not let whatever shoes you're wearing whatever degree you have or don't have, whatever money you have or don't have, whatever education you have or don't have, whatever single, married, divorced, whatever, stop you from being used by God. God can use anyone. And he would say the same thing to you. Hey, let's get all that stuff out of the way, all that insecurity and all that identity. I want to get that out of your way. And I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you into work on Monday and I'm going to use you because you've had an encounter with me. I'm going to send you into your neighborhood. I'm going to send you into your church. I'm going to send you into your school. I'm going to send you into your family. And we're going to get all this stuff, all your identity stuff out of it. Oh, but I can't, I can't, I can't talk with my family. They, they, they think I'm an underachiever. They, those sandals are off. They don't care about that. Oh, they, they, don't, they don't think. My dad wanted me to uh, be a lawyer and I became a pastor and now he's really disappointed with me. And uh, yeah, just that you're not a pastor, you're not a lawyer, you're not any, get that out of the way. He says, now, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. Man, just how mind-boggling that would be. Moses says just exactly what we would all say. Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh 
and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, if I were giving God advice, which I tend to do, I would say, hey, you know what, God, you know what would have been cool? If he had just stayed in the palace, you could have stopped the whole burning bush thing. Just make him Pharaoh one day. And then he just lets the people go. That would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Like, why don't you just do that? He never does that. He never does that. He saved the world by sending a baby. Like, this is just what he does. This is his nature. This is who he is. And Moses says, who am I? Who am I that I can go to Egypt? Do you know what God says next? He says, well, you were trained there, and you're, you're pretty smart, and you've been working 40 years with sheep, so I know you can lead sheep. So the, the Israelites are kind of like sheep, so that's my plan. Listen to the question. Who am I? Who am I? that I could reach my family for Jesus, that I could be the pastor of a church. That I could, who, who, who am I? You might say the same thing. Who am I that, I could, that I'm going to have an impact at my work or in my school? Here's God's answer to Moses, and it's the same answer to you, to the question, who am I? And God said, I will be with you. In other words, yeah, let's just all agree uh, you're nobody. But that's not your identity. Just because you're, you have an insecurity, it's not your identity. Why? Because God will be with you when you take these steps of faith, when you walk in obedience. Who am I? Oh, my name's John. I'm a pastor. No. I'm, well, I'm a debt now. No. I'm somebody that if I would allow God into my life, he will be with me. And you're no different than I am. He says, I'll be with you. So he, he, Moses is like starting to like freak out, like, like, um, like well, who do, I, well, who do I tell him? Like, how do I tell him? You know, because Moses can't just like show up at Pharaoh's and be like, hey, how's it going? I just want to talk to you about the Hebrews. You should probably let them go. Like he, Moses is thinking through this and he says, how, how do I tell him? Like who by what authority do I walk into Pharaoh? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. That's his title. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's his answer. And he goes on and he, he argues some more. And Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? This is to the elders of the Hebrews. Because he's like, he's got to tell them that like we got to go too. And, and, and they say, uh, the Lord did not appear to you. Here's what. God says, God, I just love the way God talks to Moses. He says, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? This is called a rungu, and it's from Kenya, and our, our, our friend, Don Rogers, gave it to me. And the shepherds would use it uh, to guide the sheep along. And so I kind of think of it as like a sermon where I'm poking you guys and prodding you to do stuff and to change your world and you versus you, right? And uh, so he says, what's in your hand? And Moses would have had something similar. It would have been uh, uh, bigger because he's walking over terrain, but it would be his staff. And that's what he says. A staff, he replied. This is what would identify him as a shepherd. His staff. 
As a matter of fact, he probably didn't even realize that while he was talking to God, if he's anything like me, he was probably clutching onto it like this. Like, man, at least I got my staff. Just in case something happens, I can lean back on that. Isn't that our temptation? We lean back on what we know, what we've experienced, and it's our comfort, and I, I can lean on that. I can lean on my wit. I can lean on my smarts. I can lean on my looks. This is my identity. This is, what, this is the thing I have. And God says, what's in your hand? He says, a staff. And the Lord says, throw it on the ground. Like, if I do that, then I have, I'm at bare feet, and I don't have a weapon, because this is the other thing that the, the shepherds in Kenya use it for. They, well, a couple things. So this is for sheep, okay, so you can tap them. And this, this is for cows, because their butt's bigger, and you can't just poke them like that. You got to like, wham, you know, and they're like, what's going on, you know? And then it was also used as a weapon. Same with, same with Moses. He would have it to guide and direct. He'd have it to hold on to, to be stable. He'd have it as a weapon to ward off any, any things. And, and, and God says, throw it on the ground. And now I got nothing. Worse, it becomes a snake. And Ro Moses runs from it, which I totally get. I, I hate snakes. Like, I'm all about creation care, except for snakes and sharks. I know, I should, I've seen Shark Week. They're all really like puppies. I get it. Uh, just, I, just don't, I just don't like them. And so he runs from it. The Lord says, reach out, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Okay, just, this is just a pro tip. That's not how you pick up a snake, okay, by the tail. So Moses does it. He reaches out, he takes it by the tail, and it becomes his staff again. But he'll never see it as his staff again, will he? Because he saw how God could use it. He saw how God could take something and transform it into something totally different so that when it got picked back up, it would be used for something totally different. So Moses does what we do. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Thanks for the staff back, by the way. I've never been eloquent and he says this, which is really, I thought, offensive. Neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. Like, I wasn't eloquent in the past, and you haven't done anything since you've been here, right? You got the burning bush and everything, but you could have made me eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, I firmly remember that in Acts, we said he was powerful in speech and in action. How does Moses identify himself? Those days are over. I can't be used by God now. Palace Moses could totally be used by God. Pastor Moses, not so much anymore. God says this. Who gave human beings their mouths? <laughs> it's like, this is a really good point. Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Dude, how many times do I have to tell you, this is not about you? You got no shoes. I told you to throw your staff down. You're sitting here. You, you're, you got nothing, but I will be with you. He said, now go. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. In other words, you got Moses who can't speak well. He's just like, hey, Pharaoh, I think all the Hebrews are not doing good. 
right? And then all of a sudden, God touches him, and he's like, hello, need to talk to Pharaoh. I'm very eloquent, right? Like, God, like, does this, right? Here's what Moses says. God, just, we'll get to the main point in just a second. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Do you know how many times I've missed out on being used by God because I was too wrapped up in my insecurity and I was too wrapped up in my identity? And I just thought, man, God can just send somebody else to do it. God can send someone else to talk to that person. God can send someone else to to bring peace into a situation. God can send someone else. And God says, I want to send you because I'm going to be with you. And your identity doesn't mean anything to me. I call you by name. There's a, we don't have time to get to it, but in, uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 33, God basically tells Moses, I, I know your name, and I'm proud of you. He never would have been able to be told that if he didn't go. He says, please send someone else. And, and God, essentially, we don't, God gets angry because you would be if you're God. You're like, look, I just made your staff into a snake. You know, I, come on. I'm, the bush isn't burning. Like, I can do this. Trust me. And Moses is just like, yeah, you can, but I can't. And God says, you're not. I am. I'm just going to use you to pull it off because this is what he does. He shows up as a baby. He has 12 uneducated men change the world, birth the church. He has people with high education, Paul, be used for things, low education used for things, Peter. This is just what he does. And he says, someone, send someone else. And basically he says, okay, knucklehead, I'll send Aaron with you. No, yeah. So he, he says, I'll send, I'll send Aaron with you. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to speak to you, and you're going to speak to Aaron, and Aaron's going to speak to the people. Like, thanks a lot for making it 10 times more complicated than it has to be. Send someone else. I'll send you, go with Aaron. And then he says this. <laughs> Verse 17. But, but take this staff in your hand. Like, don't forget that, because that's kind of important. So you can perform signs with it. Like, I'll, I'll tell you what to say. You tell Aaron what to say, but don't forget that staff. The other thing that the staff would do, um, besides becoming a snake um, and then a staff again, was um, he, he could take water out of the Nile, and when you touch it, it would, when you poured it out, it would turn to blood, which is, like, super disgusting. Take this staff in your hand so you can perform signs with it. You know what God does? He takes this identity that we have, these insecurities, and when he touches it, he's allowed us to use it for his good, for his kingdom. This is why we sang, may your will be done, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The way that kingdom comes is how is through the times that God uses you. Through however you were created, he can use you. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey. I hope that's a typo, that his wife and sons weren't on just one donkey. I don't know how that worked out. And he started back to Egypt. 
And then it says this. This is so sweet as the worship band comes back up. He took the staff of God in his hand. This thing that identified him, this tool that he used for his job, the things that he did for 40 years. And, and, and let me tell you, at least in Kenya, these become incredibly personal. They, 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 they take them out of a tree, out of the kind of a knot of a tree, and they, they make them themselves, and they have them all day long, and it becomes, you know, they learn how to twirl them. I'm not going to do that. I'd give myself a concussion. But, uh, you know, they, they just get so used to them, this personal thing. It's their identity. And let me just tell you this. Whatever your identity is, God can use. It becomes the staff of God, not just Moses' staff. It's not called Moses' staff anymore. He has it, and he uses it, and he performs miracles with it, but it's the staff of God. Let me tell you something. God can do the same thing with you. You say, John, you don't know my past. If you knew my past, I know the person next to me is probably a perfect Christian, but if you knew my past, the person next to you is a perfect Christian, by the way. I know you all. If you knew my past, you'd say it can't be used. That's the past of God now. He's going to use that for his good, whatever you were doing back then in your 20s. You see, John, I've got so many regrets, so many mistakes. Those are all done with. God can take those and use those. You ever met somebody who's overcome something that you're struggling with? You're so glad you met them that they say, oh man, if you had seen me in my 20s and you say, really, there's hope for me? Oh yeah, there's hope. We're going to take a little bit of time to reflect and uh, Taylor will lead us in a final song What is it for you? Is there something you need to take off? Or is there something you need to pick up? Is there a part of your identity where you have thought your whole life, like when you look in the mirror, do you say, I I, I need to lose weight? That's not your identity. God doesn't, I'm sure he cares a little bit about it. You don't think you can be used by him? You say, oh man, I I spent all this time in this job and I got laid off. Take that off. This is holy ground. It's not your identity. Maybe there's something you need to pick up. Maybe there's something that you've kind of set aside that God could use again. Maybe you used to work with kids. Now God wants you to pick that back up and work with kids. Maybe it's something else. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace and in his strength and in his joy. In Jesus' name, amen.